Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I'm just going to tell you, just from the start, maybe you're this way too, but I am horrible, horrible at saying goodbye. I have anticipatory anxiety about saying goodbye. And uh, as I was thinking about this, this, this saying goodbye, there's an old country song. It's, it's, it's old. It's probably 20, 30 years old. And the name of it is, How Can I Help You to Say Goodbye? And in this song, it's, it's interesting because the, the writer talks about three different situations where it was hard to say goodbye to someone. And the first one was when the writer was eight years old and her best friend moved away and just remembered seeing her face in the back of the the station wagon as they were driving away with the moving truck. And it was like, man, I have to say goodbye to my my best friend and I'm not going to see her anymore. The second verse of the song is is a goodbye where they're in the bedroom and, and a husband is packing his suitcase and he's leaving her. And it's going through this pain of a goodbye that, that, that he doesn't even want to look at her or, or say anything because it's so painful and, and nothing is going to take away the hurt of this goodbye. And the final one is when her mother is dying and she's there as, in, in hospice and, and she's now, how am I going to say goodbye uh, to, to someone that I love deeply? So those are, those are just examples of, of times in our life where we might have to say goodbye and it's, it's very difficult. Probably for me, well, two, two different places. One of them is I hate taking my kids to the airport. I'm just telling you, I do. I love going to the airport. I love driving in the airport. I don't like from the time I put it in park until I get all the, the, the suitcases out and then that goodbye section is just like, ah. Uh, and so, even knowing this, last year when I took my daughter to college, it was getting bad enough for me because I went up to where she goes to school in Minnesota and it was like three days of orientation that I finally told her on the way there, here is how we're going to say goodbye, okay? When it's time to go, first of all, no one says goodbye. That's the rule. No one says goodbye. I am going to come in for a little bro hug just like this, not like real tight, little bro hug. I'm going to give you two taps on the back and then just go later and I'm walking out of your room. Just so we're clear, that's how it's going to happen. That is not how it happened. And oh, it was just, so, so maybe you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what I'm talking about with goodbyes and, and with people especially maybe who live a long distance away or a relationship is going to be changing, that, it, that it's hard to say goodbye and there's, there's a little bit of misery. And, and as I think about that, it can be times where you feel like you're going to miss that person or maybe it, it's something where they're not going to be part of your life anymore and there's some anxiety and fear for the future and, and all of those are wrapped up in the moment that is the goodbye. But not all goodbyes have to be that way. Nor, and nor, they shouldn't be that way. In three weeks, on the 28th, uh, Casey Sauer, our Crosswalk Kids uh, leader f- for the past year, 
is going to be saying goodbye. She is going to be leaving Crosswalk, and she is going to be moving home by her parents for a few months. Then she's moving out to Boise, Idaho, where her fiancé lives, and she's going to be married. And as we look at that, the goodbye can be a little bit sad, right? Like, oh, we're, we're going to miss you and, and things like that. But that goodbye is also a hopeful goodbye. And it's one that looks towards the future and, and, and going on with your life. Another thing that will be happening this month is graduations. Graduations are that same way, where on the one hand there's goodbye, and maybe you've seen that at graduations where there's a lot of emotion and, and, and a lot of sadness and the friendships that have been formed, and, and, and maybe the farther away you get from graduation, you begin to realize, I get it, it's sad, but this is the beginning of something new. This is going on with your life, and, and the future is also very bright, and that's what we choose to focus on on a day like that. Well, today, what we are looking at with Jesus, Son of God, and exit like none other is, is Jesus saying goodbye. It's Jesus, after his time on earth was done, about 33 years in that neighborhood, uh, that, that we're going to look at in the whole scope of his life, that it was time to leave. And, and during that time, it would have been difficult for his disciples. A, a three-year relationship where they were with him all of the time. Someone they looked to as their mentor, as their uh, religious leader, as their savior, and as they came to know him as the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. All of that was going to change dramatically. And, and you can see how, on the one hand, they might have been a little fearful, have anxiety, and, and not knowing what the future would bring. And at the same time, there would be joy. There would be reason to look forward to the future that Christ offered. The same is true for us today. Because the promises we will see Christ makes at his ascension, that when he went up into heaven, are promises that we can lay hold of today. So we begin, and where we go is Luke chapter 24, which is one of the areas that uh, the ascension is recorded for us, and in these words, it, it's, it's really vague about what happened. It's also recorded in the book of Acts, but this is what it says, this is how Luke records it. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Oh my goodness, I, there's the answer. I don't have to say goodbye anymore. Now, now when it's time for my children to go to the airport, I'll just raise my hands and bless them. And then they will be taken up into heaven on the airplane. <laughs> no. Uh, but, but think about that, that. That this is the time when Jesus, the, is, his time of ministry here and his time to be here is over. And he blesses them. In, much in the same way, maybe, I don't know if he used the same words or not, but, but we bless you from the stage every Sunday, right? We raise our hands. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. That's the blessing that, that Jesus was giving them, a blessing, the blessing from God 
All of the blessings that come from knowing Jesus as your Savior and knowing Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and having him as part of your life. In the blank, you can write, when Jesus' work of payment for sin and proving his resurrection was over, he ascended into heaven. When his work of payment for sin and proving his resurrection was over, he ascended into heaven. Now, first of all, that work ascension just means that he went up, that he went up into heaven. We don't know exactly what that might have looked like. We're told that he just he went up into the air and then a cloud covered him. And we'll get a little bit more that an angel there and spoke to the disciples as well. But, but ascended, so he, he went up. He went up into the sky, and they knew Jesus was now leaving. And maybe to, to, that as we look at this, it's important. The ascension is a, a very important occurrence, and it's one that probably over time has, has lost its significance in the Christian church. You see, many people that when you, you see we have... Christmas and Easter, which is great, the birth of Jesus and also his resurrection, absolutely, those are two days that we want to remember. But the ascension is also important because of the significance of it. And the significance of Jesus leaving is that his work on earth is over. It's complete. The reason why Jesus no longer was hanging around is because there was nothing for him to do, nothing for him to accomplish anymore. You see, when, sometimes when we look at our lives, that, that there's a term we use, it's called a bucket list, right? A bucket list is when people start to get older, they say, okay, it, this is my bucket list of everything that I want to do before I die. These are the things that I want to accomplish. And, and, and as you look at them, I, I'm sure all of ours might be a little bit different. They might be things we have an interest in, some things we might do, some things we might never do. But when we look at the life of Jesus and his bucket list, that, that if you want to look at his, his life, his bucket list consisted not of everything he wanted to do before he died, but everything that God wanted him to accomplish in his life. And so as you look at the, the going through from his birth, the, the incarnation, becoming one of us, being the son of God and son of man, Jesus can check that off his list. For the next 30, 33 years, on the bucket list was living a perfect life, living as, as a substitute for mankind. Check that off his list. He, he lived perfectly. Also on his list was to go to the cross, to, to make that exchange, his life for ours, to, to pay for the sins of all people of all time. Check that off his list. The next one, to rise on Easter three days later, just like he said, he did, he walked out of the tomb. Check that off his list. And then for the next 40 days, that's how long it was from Easter to, to the ascension, 40 days, show yourself to be alive, give proof uh, that you have risen from the dead, check that off his list. It was natural then that Jesus should leave. His work of salvation, his work of being your savior is complete, completely complete. We continue. This, we now go to the book of Acts, and this, this gives us a little fuller picture of what went on. 
They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So Jesus is rising up and, and all of a sudden, you know, they, they know they're being blessed and they're like, wow, there he goes. And, and they're just kind of watching, watching. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So the promise there is that Jesus is going, but Jesus is going to come back. And that's another part of goodbyes that make them a little bit easier, isn't it? That, that when you say, uh, not goodbye, but rather see you later, or Alvider saying, and until we meet again, however you want to say it, but, but doesn't that help to take the sting away from a goodbye, knowing that you're going to see them in the very near future? That was the case with Christ as well. In the blank, you can write, Jesus will return. The next time we see him will be when he returns as our judge. Jesus will return. The next time we see him will be when he returns as our judge. Again, I want you to see this, what a blessing it is for, for, for this, for our lives. That, that you can plan on not seeing Jesus until he returns again. I, I remember once, I, that I took, well, I take my dogs for walks, especially in the morning. And, and as I would walk, it was very secluded, no one else is around. And, it, and I remember one time specifically, it was an Easter morning. And I got up really early, was walking the dog, and I thought to myself, how cool would that be if Jesus, like, all of a sudden is walking next to me? And, and be like, hey, Dan, what's up? Hey, Jesus. Not a whole lot. You know what? I got some questions for you, if you don't mind. And, uh, and then I thought about that. If, if that were the case, do you think that would overshadow my Easter message? Yeah, Probably. And, and that can't happen. That can't happen because more important than Jesus possibly appearing to me is the fact that he has risen and that he is the savior of all people. That's the message. And that is the message that we need to focus on. And so with these words and, and Jesus' ascension into heaven, he's telling us, don't expect me to, to see, be seeing me in, in your daily life. But when I do return, trust me, you will know. You won't need anyone to say, oh, Jesus came back and you missed it. We will know. Jesus will come back and, and we're told every eye will see him. So, so those are the bookends. Jesus leaves and Jesus comes back. But in between that is where we live. And so we have other portions of the Bible that explain why the ascension is so important and what it means for our lives. We go next to John 14, 1 through 6. Great portion right here. They're all great. But, but this one especially, it, it's important to look at this one in light of the ascension into heaven. And this is when Jesus is saying, he's preparing them for his departure. And he says, do not, not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. 
So now as we look at these, these words, Jesus is saying, I'm going away. So this is the first hint. One of the first hints that he's giving, given is that he's not always going to be there. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Beautiful words, and even more beautiful words if you understand the context of, uh, and the history of Jewish weddings. You see, what happened uh, very often in Jewish weddings is that there would be a, a time, a lot of times there was a matchmaker where, where a match would be made, and then the, the two would meet each other and get to know one another, and a decision would be made about marriage, whether they were going to be married or not. And so once a decision was made that they were going to be married, it was kind of a weird thing would happen. And what, it was, what happened is the, the future groom would leave and go to his father's house, and what he would do is he would build an addition onto the house that he and his future bride would live in. And, and so once they, they separated from that, they would not see each other again until the wedding day. And so what would happen is he, he would get that ready, and when it was done, he would tell his dad or whoever, his family, hey, everybody, the, our house is done. Now it's time to go have the wedding and get married, and, and we'll be together. The reason why they did that is so that someone who was going to be married, it proved that they were ready to be married. Because that's a big responsibility, right? Uh, first of all, of, it, it would cost, there was a cost involved in that, and also there was hard work involved. And that would show, that was kind of their litmus test on whether a guy was ready to be married or not. In the meantime, you can imagine for uh, his, his fiancée as she's waiting, she knew it would be a while, but she didn't know exactly how long it would be. Are we talking a month? Are we talking three months? Are we talking six months? And so what would happen is her job then was to wait. Wait and watch. And they would watch until the time when they would see him. Then they would know today's the wedding day, and, and we, we're going to be together, and we're not going to be apart anymore. That is the picture that, that Jesus uses to show his relationship with you. You see, we are the bride of Christ. And, and we not only have an engagement, you could argue that we're already married because of everything that, that Christ ha has done for us, but there's still one part that we're waiting for. And that part is when Jesus finally will return and we'll be together. Now is that time of, of waiting and watching and hoping and looking forward to the future and, and what it's going to be like to be with him all the time. Man, I, I think of that and, and I think back to, to when my wife and I, Tanya and I, got, got married and, and we were engaged. We, we lived in Milwaukee. She lived in South Dakota and that's where we were going to be married. And so she left on June 20th, and we got married July 27th. 
So it was, you know, over a month. And remember, this is before cell phones. So there weren't texts that you can send. You know, God forbid, my parents would have killed me. Long distance phone calls. Who's making those calls? You know, go get a phone card. Remember that? Those times of doing that. And, And so it was just this being apart, though, was the most difficult part. Until finally, you, you, you are looking forward to it so much. Understand, this is, this is related to the ascension because it's the promise from Jesus. This is not going to be forever. Being with me is going to be forever. And that is our future. And right now, what is Jesus doing? Preparing a place for you. Whether you call it a house with many rooms, the King James used the the word many mansions. However you want to look at it, the point is, is there is a place in heaven being prepared for you at this moment, and Jesus will return at the right time to take you to be with him. In the blank, you can write, God's plan for you is to also be with him. Jesus is the way for you, for us, for you to go to the Father. And then I wrote the word in their destiny. That's our destiny. That's our future. That's what we have to look forward to. And all of this related to the ascension of Jesus going away, preparing a place, and then coming back. We continue. Now we go from there to another portion. And this is Paul writing to the Ephesians about what is coming in the future. This also is is closely connected to the ascension. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I'm just going to stop there for a minute. His prayer is that your eyes would be open to the hope to which you were called. I would argue, and I think Paul would as well, that there, there were many truths that they knew about Christ and about his forgiveness of sins and what it meant. And and. And Paul was telling them, you haven't even scratched the surface. That, that it, it is hard for us to even comprehend everything that Christ has in mind for us. So, so that's what he's saying is, I hope that you more and more on a daily basis as you grow in the faith can grow an appreciation of what's to come. You may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people. So, so your inheritance that you will get when you die and be with the Lord in heaven. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. That, that God has complete power. And it's used in our best interest. We'll get to that in a moment. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. It's a lot there, okay? And, and, it's, and it's, remember, this is a prayer that you may begin to fathom how great our God is and how great his power is. And we're gonna look at that right now. So in the blank first right, right now Jesus sits at God's right hand. Jesus sits at God's right hand. He rules the world 
in the best interests of the church. In the Apostles' Creed, we just got done saying that, right? That he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Now, that's not a, a literal necessarily that he's always at God's right hand, but, but it's meant that he is God's right hand man, right? It, it's God's power, that the, the power of God can be seen in the work of Jesus Christ, and that right now he's the king, and, and he rules the world in the best interests of the church. Now, what is the significance of that? Maybe the best way for us to get our minds around it is to think, if you were God for a day, and, and I suppose there was a movie back, right, Bruce Almighty or whatever it was, where, where you got to be God for a day. And so I'm God for a day, what am I going to do? Well, first of all, he beat me to it because the Cubs won the World Series last year. Um, so, so we got that. So maybe a Bears Super Bowl. Uh, but, but no, you, you think about that, and the first thing I would do is close Phoenix Children's Hospital because all those kids would be healthy. Heal them. Heal them all, right? And, and, and that'd that be, be taken care of. Then I, then I would go around and, and, and look at some other stuff. What do we want to do next? What, what areas that are in, in severe famine need some rain? We'll get them some rain right away. We'll go, we'll go take care of every single problem, right? And, 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 and as long as I'm doing it, I'll throw a few million to crosswalk. We can have our church built in, in a year, and we'll be good to go. But I want you to think about this, that, that of, the, of this truth, that Jesus sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, ruling in the best interest of the church. Which means, if Jesus is right now all-powerful, and sitting at God's right hand, and he can do anything he wants, that if I had that power of God for a day, what would I change? Nothing. Nothing. That is hard. That is hard for me to, to, to wrap my arms around because I hurt every day. In some way, whether it's a, a physical hurt, whether it's an emotional hurt, whether it's a struggle with my limited capability to do a job that is very important, that I either lack the ability or the strength or the knowledge or the, the, the foresight to, to do like I want to do, that I look at myself and my brokenness and what I want to be is not broken. And the Lord looks at us completely different. And, and, and to look at our lives completely different. What is, what is God trying to accomplish in your life? That you would see him and need him every second of every minute of every day. When you begin to look at your life through this filter and begin to understand what God is trying to accomplish as he sits at the right hand of God the Father, it, it leads us, to, and it led, led Paul as he wrote to, the, to Romans to say, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. It's that same thing. And so we begin to look at the issues that are going on in our life as opportunities to trust our God even more. 
to lay hold of his promises, to break our relationship down to, to its, its base existence, which is simply God loving us and, and uh, us loving him and believing him and, and trusting him and looking forward to a, a, a world that we belong in, which is our heavenly home, not this physical world. Quit trying to make this our heaven and look forward to the one he is making for us. This is big stuff. And this is what the ascension is all about. It, it's, it's pointing us ahead to where we belong. Again, in the blank, God, or right now Jesus sits at God's right hand and he rules the world in the best interests of the church. Oh, one other portion I suppose I could include here too is the fact that we, Jesus intercedes for us. That Jesus, as we pray, and, and this is maybe something you've learned, that when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name. And so when I pray, I don't pray in Dan Salofra's name. God, you should be listening to me. Come on. I, do you know who I am? Um, I'm a pastor at Crosswalk. Come on. Uh, li- listen to me. I come here every Tuesday, right? And I bring these prayer requests. But no, when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name our Savior's name. And, and we have this picture of Jesus being there, interceding to the Father on our behalf, uh, reminding him and us of our identity as his children, and God responds. Finally, we go to the next portion, the last portion, Matthew 28. And these are some of the last words Jesus spoke. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but notice, even now, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. With these words, Jesus is giving his, his, his marching orders, if you want to call that, to the church. This is what you are supposed to be doing. In the blank, you can write, Jesus spent three years developing leaders to do his work after he left. Developing leaders to do his work. Jesus was now leaving, and so this work, notice, you can underline, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. And that is what the church does. That we take that word of God, that we take this word of Christ, and and with the promise of the Holy Spirit, uh, that we go forward and and we share this with a world that desperately needs it. We, We share it with everyone who desperately needs it, including us, and why we go back there again and again. But also a portion of that, as we look at this, I want you to get your minds around this idea of developing leaders, and especially what Jesus was doing. For three years, he, would, he was, had his disciples with him, and he was teaching them, right? That they would learn and they would do. Learn and do. And, and now at this time, as Jesus was, was leaving, letting them know, now it's time for you to, to step up. I think the Arizona Cardinals had that like uh, two years ago, didn't they, where they had uh, a bunch of injuries, 
And even though they had the injuries, they kept going. And, and their, kind of one of their mottos was next man up, right? That, that someone gets hurt, next man up. You, you just need to be ready uh, to go with that. And, and this year, we, we just got done with the staff retreat. And it's kind of that theme is one that we talked about uh, as we, we look towards the future. And one of the reasons why is because we, we looked uh, and, and we talked about this. It was Jeff and I and, and, and the rest of the staff. And, and one of the things that we talked about that we really hadn't talked about before is this. Jeff's not going to be here forever. And he's, he's 60 years old. And we, we talked about this, and he said, you know what? I don't want to be a pastor till I'm 80 years old. And, and maybe even as I look at Crosswalk, I don't know. I don't know if we look at, if there's a window here. If we should be looking at four or five years or seven years or, or whatever it is. But, but it was one where it got my attention because it made me realize, man, this is something I need to be aware of and maybe start looking at things differently as a leader. And then that got me thinking about growth groups as well, that we have growth, groups lead, growth group leaders. And, and sometimes in, in growth groups, what we have is this idea that our growth group leader will always be there. That, that, that you know, it, it, that person will always be there and I don't need to be ready. I don't need to step up. I can stay where I am at. But especially this year, this is going to be a common theme that you hear. And I hope that it is one that you start to look at yourself differently. And you look at yourself differently based on the ascension of Jesus. Because it was time for him to go where he needed to go, to the right hand of the Father. And for that reason, the disciples needed to step up. And we'll see throughout their ministries, other people stepped up. And, and took this purpose for their life seriously. And the same is true for you. God, what is your plan for me? I know you're returning, but until then, I got some work to do. And he wants us to focus on it. And, and then the final words, and, and the ones I want you to go home with. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I, I think about this, and, and this is sometimes I do it consciously that I'd like to thank Jesus for being here with my message today, uh, right next to me. Now, the Holy Spirit isn't right next to me. Holy Spirit's inside of me. So that, that's the way that works. And it's true with you, that as you go with the Holy Spirit inside of you, that promised Holy Spirit, with Christ with you, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with you. He is with you always to the very end of the age. And do you see how Jesus, with his leaving, with his ascension into heaven, is able to have a win where he's with the Father and another win that he's with you at all times as well. And so today, as you go from hearing this message, go in peace. Go with the Lord's blessing and go with the Lord's mission. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that that we are able to see Jesus as he is, the son of God. Uh, he lived a life like none other that changes our lives forever. And so, Lord, we've taken time to go all the way from, from your birth into your ascension and to see all the work that you've done, and you've, you've done it completely, and, and we thank you for that. Now, Lord, help us as we eagerly await your return uh, to live our lives day to day in preparation for that return. 
Help us to continually grow in your word, to, to feed on it daily, and also to look for opportunities to, to be developed as leaders, to step forward in your kingdom, and, and to do the work that you have given us the privilege of doing. Lord, we ask all of this in Jesus' name, positive, certain that you hear us. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. This Sunday was kind of hard to get. When you look at all the promises of God, which one is most comforting, whether it be all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to Christ, or if it's he's preparing a place for us, or if it's I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Whichever one you choose, or maybe we can choose all of them, I don't know. All of these are because Jesus is our ascended Lord, our victorious, left in victory, left on top. And now today as you leave, I will leave you the same way Jesus left his disciples, with a blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Lord, look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen.